Welcome to Abundant Life Church, the place where faith and life connect. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today, and we pray that your worship experience will be very rich. Today, we're going to have our Black History Corner a little bit later, as well as our Kids Corner. And we invite you to take this time and to pause whatever you're doing. You see, there were certain times in the Bible where the Lord invited his people to come aside, to come away from their normal activities, and to hear from him. That is what this worship experience is, a time where we can worship together and hear a word and share with one another. We invite you to use the chat. That way you can connect, say hello to someone, or let someone know that you're there so that we can also connect with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and time that you've allowed for us to be here. We're grateful for how you've brought us through the snow and all of the various issues. We're grateful for how you have taken care of our families. And even though it may not have been easy, you were right there with us. We pray now as we continue on with our service and we hear a word and even learn more about our Black History Month. We pray that our spirits will be enriched with the word and with fellowship one with another, even in digital spaces. So now, Holy Spirit, have your way. Our ears are open to what you would say to us. And we're grateful for your love this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's worship together. Hearts open wide as the sky. Just tell them we lift you high. We lift you high. Say, God, we've come to lift you up. We lift you high. Hands up. Hands up. Hearts open, open wide, wide as we cry. Sing, God, we lift you Sing it again.
None compares to your splendor and your power, powerful and mighty, my strong tower, ruler of the nations, and my defender. about you but I love to worship and I look forward to the times when we can learn from other groups and how they're worshiping and then worship together so now let's pray together for our families and for our communities father we're grateful for this time that we can once again approach your throne 
We're grateful for the times that we can pray and lift up our families. And so now we lift up our families before you. Those that live in the house with us, those that don't, that we're related to by blood, and those that we call family that we might not have a blood connection to, but there's a heart connection to. We pray that you continue to strengthen us even in this season. We pray for those that aren't feeling well in body, that you would bring about a healing to their body. For those that aren't feeling well in their mind, we pray, oh God, that you would heal their minds and bring comfort to them and their family members. We pray for our nation, even as we continue to combat COVID and even around the world, the globe that continues to combat COVID. We pray, oh God, that you would continue to supply resources for vaccination. We pray that communities of color especially would not be afraid to receive the vaccination, but would trust in you and allow you to heal us and also to allow the doctors that you've blessed to heal us. So Father, we pray even now, as we turn our hearts and minds towards this service, we thank you for the word that is already blessed and settled in heaven. And we pray that it would fall in our hearts, that we would be as good soil, even as we heard in the word last week, that we would be good soil, able to retain the word and to bring forth seed 30, 60, and 100 fold. Have your way in our hearts and in our families and in our communities. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now, prepare your hearts and minds to receive the word of the Lord from our minister, Devin McCarley. Good morning and welcome to the Abundant Life Church. I am honored yet again to stand before you with the ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I give um, honor to my leaders who I serve under at AOC, to Bishop Lawrence Ward and to Pastor Virginia Ward. So there is a word from the Lord today. So let's dig in. If you are following along in your Bibles, we will be reading from Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting from verses 1 through 6. And so the passage will also be on your screen. Uh, and I will be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. So Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 6. And the word of the Lord regarding the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it says, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Aram, Aram fathered Amenadab, Amenadab fathered Nishan, and Nishan fathered Salmon, and Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered the king. David. May, add, may God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. 
this morning, if I may expound um, on the idea for just a few moments that you are in the right line. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come before your presence. And so now I ask that you would speak through your emptied vessel to the hearts of every person who may be watching. We are thankful that you are a God who transcends time and space, and thus we pray that wherever our physical locations may be in this moment, no matter the distance, that you will still do a collective work in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. As we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 1, it provides us with the perennial lineage of Jesus Christ. And although we only read the first, uh, we've only read the first six verses, if we were to keep reading further, we would see the lineage that flows from Abraham in verse 2 to Joseph, the husband of Mary, and the earthly father of Jesus to Jesus himself who is called the Christ. And although we know that Joseph is not Jesus's biological father, it is still important to note that he is in the line. But this morning, I want us to focus our attention on the first six verses of this chapter, and more specifically, to focus on three particular characters on three unlikely heroes named Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. If you would take the journey with me to Genesis chapter 38, where we find the story of Tamar that is curiously positioned right in the middle of the Joseph saga where we are seeing Joseph, he's getting ready to be sold into slavery, and right in between him going to end up in Potiphar's house. These 30 verses in chapter 38 that are full of pain and sorrow, loss and brokenheartedness, disappointment and shame, and constantly, constantly showing a woman who has been overlooked. Tamar is first mentioned as she is becoming the wife of Ur, the son of Judah. But Ur was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so we find Tamar's first husband being put to death by the Lord. In leveret marriage, the duty of the brother-in-law was to father a male heir with his brother's widow to carry his brother's name to ensure his inheritance. Thus, Onan, the brother of Ur, took Tamar as his wife, but he also did wrong by her, by not having children with her. And so the Lord put him to death as well. And so now the twice-widowed Tamar finds herself childless, and alone. And Judah, the fourth son of Israel, was expected to provide another son for uh, Tamar to marry. 
and to care for Tamar, but he instead told her to, to wait. My son, uh, Sheila, he, he's, just wait till he grows up because he was afraid that his son would, say, he would face the same fate as his other brothers and also die. And so here we find a waiting woman who is forgotten, abandoned, and lost. Then there's Rahab, a woman known to be a Canaanite prostitute, where we are introduced to her in Joshua chapter 2. Jericho was a large fortified uh, Canaanite city, and it was directly in the path of the Israelites. And so we see Joshua sending out two spies who would, they would scout out the land. And so the king of Jericho heard about Israel's spies and he sent troops to search for them. And as the spies sought hiding, they were said to have entered the inn or the house of Rahab and her family. And Rahab, Rahab, she was a smart woman and realized that these men who were spies um, were spies from the, the, the country of Israel. And she knew there would be an attack on Jericho and took action to provide survival for her family. And so she told the spies how the citizens of Jericho had been fearful to the Israelites ever since the Egyptians um, were defeated during the Red Sea saga. She agreed to help these spies and they escaped with her ability to help them. And in return, she asked if you, and my, if you could spare me and my family when battle comes our way. And so here we find a desperate harlot hoping that the promise of her survival would truly come to pass. And last but not least, we have Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite woman, a woman from a country that was often in conflict with Israel. And she too has a story that had tragedy in it with pain and sorrow. And the story of Ruth tells us about a family who uh, from Israel came into Moab while there was famine in their land. A husband and wife, Elimelech and Naomi, and their two sons by which Ruth was eventually married to. After both Ruth's husband and father-in-law dies, Naomi, her mother-in-law, sets her heart back towards the land of Judah, but tells her daughters to, to go back home. Naomi, she had felt that she had nothing to offer these women, so she sent them on their way. But Ruth refused, and she commits to that which is strange to her, yet familiar. And so leaving her country and leaving her people for good to journey to a land where she doesn't even know if she will be accepted. So here we have three unlikely women whose stories include a sense of displacement and hopelessness. But in each story, you see the longing of them to find where they belong. 
And then comes Jesus, who even before his natural birth was a part of the orchestrated alignment of these women and their destinies who would seem out of place, yet right where God wanted them to be. The prophecy that would be fulfilled of the coming Messiah, who would be a descendant of David and, out, and come out of the tribe of Judah. And yet he chose to be connected to what others would have deemed and saw as misfits, but God set forth as royalty. So there may be times in your life when you question who you are or where, where, you're, um, where you're going and why you're here, but I want to encourage you that you are here on purpose and that everything about you was intentional and God-ordained. We are in the month of February, a month that is dedicated to black history. It is the month where we recognize the accomplishments and the contributions of people of color, both male and women, to this country. Yet there is the day, I pray, for the day that Black History Month is not even necessary because we come to a place where all lives matter and count every day. And so when we see this passage of scripture, it, it resonates with me because it tells our story and proves that no matter your gender, no matter your race or your denominational affiliation, that you are in the right line. No matter your socioeconomic status, that you are in the right line, that in spite of your past experiences, things that you may have that may have caused you guilt and shame, in spite of your hurt and your disappointment and your brokenness, whatever you may have gone through in your life, that in spite of who or what you may have lost, in spite of who treated you poorly and those who took advantage of you in spite of you being one of, or maybe the very small collective number in your classroom or on your job, that you are in the right line. To know that God has not forgotten you and that you are valued and worth every drop of blood that was shed because you are in the right line. If you would, wherever you are, can you place your hand on yourself and declare that I am in the right line? You did not get here by accident. And you were, not, you were never meant to be inferior to anyone because within you flows the bloodline of the most high king, Jesus Christ. I remember before uh, I attended seminary at Gordon-Conwell that I was not much of a, horse, a historian and not really much of a historian now, but I would, when reading the Bible, I would skim through um, these particular passages because I thought that they were just a bunch of names. And then I found myself in Professor Donna, Donna Petter's classroom. And as we studied the Old Testament, I remember she told us within that semester that we had to read the entire Old Testament twice. And not only that, but she also wanted us to read 
each book, not chapter, but each book in one sitting. And so it was during this time that I committed to this assignment that I read through the various lineages of people throughout the Bible and I began to understand the importance of our genealogies, of our heritage and our legacy. And so when I explored the biblical text, even in the New Testament, I no longer skimmed, but I proudly understood the legacy of Christ since I now also myself believe that I was heir to the throne. To read name by name and recognize from previous books of the Bible those who were deemed sinful and imperfect, yet their names were here in the line of Christ. Those who were considered misfits and those who were simply out of place because of maybe their race or their gender. These three women and so many more who are in the line of the one who saved humanity, if nothing else but to prove that we are in the right line. These six verses make it very clear to me that I was handcrafted by God and that my story is strategically designed and placed in an appropriate time and age to fulfill the work of the kingdom because a kid's a king's kid has kingdom work to do. So I encourage you this morning, do not discount your bloodline. We sum it up in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. And it says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is, views, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So whether you have low self-esteem, from humble beginnings, have experienced struggles and have been despised by the in crowd, you are the choice candidate to be used by God for his kingdom. If you are a child of God through Jesus Christ, it is not because of who you are, but rather in spite of it. There may be times when you, you grow weary on this journey and even question why you are here. I remember when I first moved to Massachusetts 10 years ago to complete my divinity degree. I was excited and ready to take on the world of seminary. But after my first few weeks, 
I questioned everything that I thought God had said to me and every answer to the questions that I asked because my excitement turned into a whirlwind of sudden doubt. And yet I pushed forward with nothing else, through nothing else but prayer. I pushed forward knowing that there were people who viewed me as different because I was young, I was black, I was a woman, I was Pentecostal. And here, this person stood in front of people declaring that she was called to preach. And so I, I, like many people in life, had to rise above every stereotype that was placed on me simply because of how God ordained my birth. And so this morning, I am standing here reminding you of who you are as a child of the King. And so as I close, I want you to remember three things. When we look at the story of Tamar, even though done wrong and even though she at times took matters into her own hand to understand um, what has happened in her story is to understand that God birthed through her twins, Perez and Zerah. And it is out of Perez's line that both King David and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, were born. This is a testament to God's prevailing mercy and a reminder that God can use flawed people, not because of our merit, but because of his grace and power. So point number one, we are all flawed, but where we are weak, God is made strong. When we think about the story of Rahab, Rahab was not a likely candidate to be a hero of the faith. She was a prostitute. She was in a corrupt pagan country that was under God's condemnation. Yet her actions to help the spies and align with God's people saved her and her family. So like Rahab, once we become Christians, our pasts are forgiven. Our, our slate is wiped clean. Rahab was no longer viewed as a harlot, but one worthy through God's grace to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. The life of Rahab is an inspiring story for all sinners who have been and even those who are soon to be saved by God's grace. So point number two, we all have sinned, yet God justified us by grace and redeemed us back to himself. And final point, when we look at the story of Ruth. Ruth experienced loss in various ways, but she found hope and redemption in being adopted into the line. The book of Ruth shows us that the reward, there is a good reward for good deeds. And just as Ruth stuck with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she cared and looked after her, Naomi helps Ruth regain what she had lost through Boaz. And Boaz cares for and marries Ruth, and Ruth is honored as becoming the great-grandmother of King David. So point number three. 
We have all lost, but God is a restorer. So as we think about the text today, as we think about what we've heard, I want you to remember, it does not matter what your story may have looked like, but it does matter the line that you're in. You are in the right line. You are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I simply want to encourage you to know that whether you're weak, in God you are made strong. That whether you feel hopeless and lost, that God is a redeemer. And that if you have lost anything in your life, that God is a restorer. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for being God. We thank you, O oh Lord, because you, you know all things and you, you looked into the future and you saw us. God, and you chose to come through a line that was not full of righteousness, that it was not full of, God, the, the things, the characteristics that God would deem, others would deem as royalty. Yet in spite of all of our flaws, in spite of who we are, in spite of what other people and their views and opinions of us, God, you deemed us worthy. So Father, we thank you for being a gracious God. And we ask, oh Lord, that you would cause us to remember that we are King's kids and that we are your sons and daughters and that you love us and that you have placed us here, God, to do your work in your kingdom. And that is not by accident, but truly it is an understanding, Father, that Lord, we are here on purpose, with purpose, to fulfill the kingdom's work. So Father, we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. There may be someone who did not realize that they too could be a part of the royal bloodline. And so this morning, if this word has pierced your heart and you you realize that you want to be a part of the right line, you want to be in the right line, then I'm going to ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. Lord, this morning, I acknowledge that I am royalty and I begin the adoption process by acknowledging you as my savior. I invite you into my heart and I thank you for your death and resurrection that provides me with eternal life. Amen. If you said that prayer with me, then I want you to connect with us. And if you to connect with us, then we're going to ask that you would text the word saved to the number 833-300-0670. We want you to connect with us so that someone can walk with you and provide more detail on the prayer that you've just prayed so that we make sure that you stay connected and understanding that you're in the right line. And there may also be someone who desires prayer.
You say, I have forgotten who I was and I want to be put back in right standing. Or you simply say, there's just been challenges in life that have been happening and I just wanna pray with someone. We're gonna also ask that you would text the word prayer to the number 833-300-0670. We have prayer leaders, both men and women, who will pray with you one-on-one. -on -one. So I thank you for this time and I pray that this word has been a blessing to you. And I want you to remember that you are in the right line. Well, what a powerful word this morning from our minister, Devin McCarley. And uh, we want you to know that it is so important to know that you're in the right line. And so we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to have, let's talk about it. And I'm going to ask uh, Minister McCarley a question. And certainly um, you, you're, you're able to chat with each other and you're able to interact. So let's use this time wisely and just really embrace and let's go in deeper at, into this message on your in the right line. So Pastor McCarley, just want to ask you a question. Um, you talked about uh, three important women in the scripture, and that is Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. They all had checkered past. Uh, what would you say to someone who's really gone through a very difficult season in their life, and it's in their past, but they, they just can't seem to really have the confidence that something good is gonna come out of it. What would you say to them? That is such a great question, Bishop. For someone who has just had a past, um, I would encourage you to know that if you are still here, then you still have a future. God, in the Bible, we see that he uses um, so many people who are just flawed. Um, when we think about the disciples, when we read through the scriptures, one of my favorite stories is the story of Jonah. And even as we've talked about today, Tamar and Rahab and Ruth, everyone's past has been stained. But when we, when we think about the gift that God has given us through his blood shed and the fact that he gave us a clean slate, uh, we are to understand that we are worth it. And so understanding that we have been adopted into that line. And so now we, as we accept the gift of Christ, we are truly his and we are made white as snow and clean through his blood. Thank you so much for really uh, sharing with us uh, this word today. I have another question for you. Um, you were talking about when you went to Gordon Conwell and you started reading all these names and you know every scripture and of course the tendency is to kind of like ah let's just skip those names can you tell us what you think we should really learn as it relates to names in the Bible and also maybe knowing our name as well absolutely in the, historically in the Bible, names had meaning. And so when you think about the lineage and those names that are in the genealogies throughout the Bible, it's to understand that they are purposely there. And so when I began to actually uh, stop skimming the names and I actually began to read them, and then you begin to put their stories together, because when you read through the Bible, you begin to understand 
you know, that Tamar, she was in Genesis 38 and, and she had her story. And now to see her as a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, it, it gives a sense of purpose. And that's really um, when we think about our names, that our names should give us a sense of purpose. So understanding what they mean, understanding where they derive from. And even if you are in a situation where you feel like, man, my name doesn't have purpose, is to understand again with the adoption of Jesus Christ that we also take on his name and his lineage. Names, names are very prophetic. That's, that's just awesome as we read these different names. And um, I, I think it's important as well that we know our own names as well, the meaning of our names. But I want to ask you a, a, one more question. Um, all of these women that you mentioned today, they may have not known the great plan that God had for their lives at the end. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how, how do we come to this uh, confidence and have faith that even though our lives may be going in a very difficult situation right now, we may be having some really difficult uh, things that have happened to us in our past and even in our present. Uh, what, what might you say to, for us to get our eyes in the future that God really has a plan for our lives and that we really count? What would you say? So when I think about that question, I think about uh, the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that says, trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. But that starts off with trust in the Lord and don't lean into your own understanding. We cannot fathom the, the, um, the, the plans that God has for us. And so when we try to think about um, what we are to be in the future, even if you have the slightest idea, God's plan is so much bigger. And so as believers, we must trust that God has our best interests at heart and what he's called us to and why he's placed us here on the on earth is to advance the kingdom's work. So when you think about, you know, my, my future and what am I going to do and what have I been called to do is to understand that if you trust in the Lord, that he will reveal his plans to you in due time. Well, thank you, Mr. Devin. Thank you so much for pouring into that word that word into our lives today and sharing and encouraging us that we are in the right line and no matter what happens God has a plan for our lives so thank you so much for being uh, willing to share that word and being available to minister today and now stay tuned for Kids Corner hi welcome to Kids Corner I'm Yvette and I'm Luke today we're going to be reading Abraham offers Isaac to God but first let's pray Thank you, God, for this time. We honor you. We praise you. May this story time richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Meanwhile, God spoke to Abraham. Take Isaac to Mount Moriah. Abraham loved Isaac. There, God went on to slay Isaac as a gift to me. Abraham obeyed. They traveled three days. Isaac asked where, where the lamb was. For God's gift, he raised a knife to slay his son. When God's angel stopped him, I know you fear God. You'd slay your only son for him. Abraham saw a ram um, for God's gift. 
stuck in the bush so Isaac lived. Look, what did you learn from this story? I learned that you should always listen to God and trust God because he always knows what's best for you. You? Similarly, just like Abraham, I learned to be obedient and to trust God with all of my heart. God will always provide. God always keeps his promises. Yes, he will. Um, thank you for watching Kids Corner. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. bless the offering. This is a place where we get to give into the work of the Lord or sow seed as some of you may understand that there's the seed of the word. There's also a seed of that which God has given to us. Would you pray with us? Father, we're grateful for the opportunities that you give us to give. We don't take it lightly that we have jobs and that we have income in this season. We're grateful and we say thank you. Now we pray you bless the gift and the giver. We pray that our hearts are giving freely, that we, as we give our tithes and our offerings, that it would build up your kingdom, that it would touch lives and it would bring forth peace. So Father, we pray you bless the gift and the giver and those that do not have to give, we pray, Lord, that you would provide opportunity to them so that they can give and when they receive that they would give a portion back to you. And we pray that you would bless them as well. So bless the gift, bless the giver. And we thank you, Father, for blessing this offering. May it be used for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nobody that can compare to him. So we call on him. We call on him. Yeah, yeah. Way make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are.
welcome to our Black History Moment. Today I want to dedicate this particular Sunday to our youth. There's a song that was written by Nina Simone entitled, To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. She wrote it for a friend of hers, Lorraine Hansberry, who was the first black woman to have a play performed on Broadway, A Raisin in the Sun. She wrote that play to remind black youth that not only are we young, but we are gifted. That song helped me through some very difficult times when I was a young person. You see, my church taught us that as part of the youth choir. And at times when my identity was being challenged, when my purpose was being denied, when my place of belonging was being ignored, I heard the words of that song ringing in my spirit, to be young, gifted, and black. There are a million boys and girls around the world who are young, gifted, and black, and that's a fact. And so that helped me through. I want to encourage you to pay attention, to look at the young people around you and to let them know, encourage them. When you see them discouraged, if they tell you a dream and it seems crazy, to encourage them and let them know that with God, all things are possible. To be young, gifted, and black. Dr. Kizmikia Corbett is among the National Institutes of Health Scientists who work directly to develop and produce the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Corbett is also the lead scientist for coronavirus vaccine research. She is also an African-American woman who has been praised by top infectious disease experts for her role in the vaccine's development, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fashi says, it is an important symbol for the vaccine safety, saying, quote, the first thing you might want to say to my African-American brothers and sisters is that the vaccine that you're going to be taking was developed by an African-American woman, he said. And that is just a fact. Dr. Corbett's work is also important in a country where black students are less likely to enter fields in science, technology, engineering, and math, the so-called STEM fields. This February, I reflect on my origins, how blackness was brought, lived, and died here, and wonder, what does God think of a country built on bones? Bones accumulating since the Middle Passage, bones forgotten and buried, and I, the scavenger, attempting to Ezekiel these dry bones into a story of my people. Ever since my ancestors stepped chain foot first on this red soil, they concocted an Israelite plan for freedom. Their descendants broke out of Egypt and into the wilderness. We, the great-great-grandchildren continuing this endless revolution, of battling against Babylon and searching for Canaan. And so we go swimming for our history, 
uncovering the pearls of our existence, unearthing the coral reef connections that is our lineage, while our enemies cast closet prayers for us to finally drown, inundating us with black death over and over. But what happens when our enemies discover there is not enough ocean to hold us? They forget. We are born of a Holy Spirit praying communion people who learn to wield the Bible in their left hand and freedom in their right, persevering with Holy Ghost fists and pocketbook prayers, dreaming of a sunrise peace stretching over the heads of their grandchildren's grandchildren. They learned early on that they were not a people of the now, but a people of the wind. So we, the children, live with this inheritance. Whenever we are, we will be. So yes, we learn to breathe underwater. Yes, we grew gills. Yes, we swim in muddy waters against the current. A whole host of ancestors taught us that this country will construct a thousand ways to kill a black body, and we have built a million ways to survive in spite of it. To know black history is to know this story, is to live out this claim, to know that God willed us and wielded us with a special kind of reimagining, to dream of a bright and colorful black future in the wake of a murderous past, to paint our hopes in rivers and etch our faith in stone for everything we touch is beautiful. Everything we are is beautiful. Everything we are is touched by our black and our black is beautiful. Beautiful and black, black and beautiful, beautiful, black, beautiful, black. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of our online worship service. And so we want to bless you. We want to bless your family. We want to bid God's speed in his plan over your life. And as you heard the word today, that you're in the right line. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, Father, that encourages us that even though, Father, experiences of our past Lord, have been difficult, challenging, and yet, God, even in our present moment, God, you still have a plan in the future for us that's bright. And so, Lord, may we hold on to that word by faith. We thank you. We praise you for what you have done even today. And Father, even as this word goes forth, we thank you for it bringing forth much fruit. And so, as we lift our hands to you, we want to commend your people to God. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace, his shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of this worship experience. We look forward to being with you next week right here at Abundant Life Church, where faith and life connect. Sing it with us. Hands up, hearts open wide as the Tell them we lift you high. We lift you high. Say, God, we've come to lift you up. We lift you high. Hands up. 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 Hands up.